Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Pete, and joining me as always is Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello, Pete. Hello, everyone. All right, I'm ready to broadcast. You can you can push the lever now. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 419, All the Madam's Men, is brought to you by the Bakshi Factor. All those years at number one don't shield you from a comeuppance. Pete, on a lighter note, some hope from TV by the numbers, some hope from the Cancel Bear, uh, declaring only yesterday, the day that this episode aired, that uh, in their prognostication,al view, Agents of Shield was being upgraded to not one, not two, not three, but four bears. Pete, likely renewal for May 2017. Uh, the author of the article taking the voice of the uh, the cancel bear, saying that uh, while it seems unlikely that Shield will get a a full season order. Uh, it is uh, it is nonetheless expected at this point that some kind of shorter season, half season, whatever you want to call it, uh, is expected for, uh, for for what will probably be Shield's final run. So, Pete, I see that as glass empty. That we uh, we can start to relax a little bit about the thought of more Shield. They had their wrap party last night. There was no seeming finality, at least in none of the social media that was permitted out of that. So, Matt, yes, I would tend to agree with you on the glass half full. Here's where I want people to consider what this means. Um, an, an abbreviated season is uh, a, a temporary win. That means next year, that's it. Um, so I, I think people really need to understand what the consequence is of that, uh, stay of execution, if you will. Um, that being said, I think it's very difficult to think that they will be back in the fall. Uh, so you're probably looking at a much longer than normal scheduled break. Um, before some type of return, if not in the later fall, if into 2018, Matt. So it's conceivable we might be seeing the last of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. and Coulson and company uh, until 2018 when they sign off in two weeks. Well, I know that when I had, uh, when I had tweeted my own inference that we were looking at 12 episodes, the cancel bear was quick to respond uh, and say that I was putting words in the bear's mouth, which Pete is a place I want to put neither my words or my hand, <laughs> um, which did get me to thinking. And there were some other people on Twitter who saw my, my response. And when I corrected myself, so on and so forth, it said, well, it could be eight episodes. And I was going to say, well, how do you know that? Truth is Pete, nobody knows that. Um, I think a half season, pairs nicely not that i you know I, I want 22 more episodes but let's be realistic with where the ratings are um i think that uh i think that it pairs nicely with humans in the fall and i'll even go one further pete as i go glass uh half uh full here some people very rightly have said hey if this writer's guild strike happens you know usually that takes out some of the underbrush that's what it did 10 years ago yep. that could damage shield I totally agree with that as a theory, as a scenario. Here's another one. If they're already planning on scheduling S.H.I.E.L.D. for sometime in the spring half of the, the TV season, 
Um, does Shield need to start a writer's room in July to start production no. late August? It actually, it would be the rare situation where it would work in their favor. Um, and so that you understand, in case you're not on top of the Hollywood press, the Writers Guild of America, the WGA, has authorized a strike courtesy of its voters. They had 67% turnout and by a 96.3% margin have voted yes to strike should a deal not be reached by the deadline on Monday, May 1st. Feeling is it will not. And uh, again, maybe I'm maybe I'm being a Pollyanna here. I can't imagine that being. I mean, look, if there's a 200 day strike, okay, all bets are off. But if we're gonna if we're gonna talk several months for a strike here, um, I kind of think that's almost good news for Shield if they're already committing to the show showing up for 12 or less episodes sometime in 2018. Heck, gun to my head. If there's a scenario where, oh man, the strike is only ending, it's December, hey, they've cut down the shield order from 12 to 8, that beats cancellation. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be sad when there's a final, when shield is finally announced as being at the end, which I suspect will happen in May when they announce a half season to conclude a wonderful five season run. I think that's how they're going to spin it. So I'll be sad when there's an end date. Uh, until then, the thought of getting more S.H.I.E.L.D. is great. And oh, by the way, with Inhumans either done filming or close to filming and no whispers, Pete, out of the Directors Guild of America, the, the Actors Guild, etc. Nobody yet seems sympathetic towards this strike because it's peak TV and there's money to be made by those guilds and those groups as well. Um, we could probably count on Inhumans for the fall, irregardless of a strike. Yeah, there was uh, similar situations that arose in uh, 2007 when the last strike occurred where everything is going to lock. There will be no uh, rewriting during that. So you can choose to film. Uh, you just can't change anything on the fly. There were TV shows and films produced in that time. There's so much, though, Matt. We, we are in a completely different era than in 2017. That gave rise to the preponderance of uh, reality TV that we currently have now, really the second big reality boom as opposed to, you know, the initial survivors and even before that, you know, uh, the, the MTV stuff, you know, the real world and, and that. However, um, you know, there are more than 500 TV shows being produced right now and better TV than has ever been on TV before. Um, this could cost some, some shows. And uh, it's strange that, you know, we're talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. potentially getting a bump so long as any strike would not last too long that uh, it, it could remain intact. But uh, like you listeners, we've got our fingers crossed. Uh, nobody knows till it happens. And, you know, my only concern is everybody pretty much figured that uh, Marvel's most wanted pilot shot. Uh, Marvel friendly network was going to happen and uh, that's still to see the light of day. And obviously it didn't get the series order and um, you know, uh, shield benefited from that, but with inhumans already green lit, that's where my concern has always been since those live numbers have, have been stagnant and the live plus seven and plus three have, uh, have dipped back. 
Tuesday, May 16th, the announced uh, season four finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a one-hour episode that's in the evening. Tuesday, May 16th, in the late morning, is when ABC will officially give its upfront presentation to advertisers, and uh, we will surely know before then what the situation is for the future of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, Pete, some, uh, some industry talk here, but certainly busy times indeed in the real world, the real, real world, before we get to the fake real world and then the framework, unreal world. Absolutely. We have concluded our uh, Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek for that season, all 13 episodes, including a bonus looking back at the season as a whole, awarding our uh, various belts that we chose up to uh, honor or in some case chastise that series with so that is available on fantasticgeek.com and itunes additionally matt as we chug through the rest of uh agents of shield we will of course be hitting up uh guardians of the galaxy volume two next week we'll be bringing that to you our impressions that weekend When we catch you up on what went down, Pete, we open with the Bakshi report, a quick passing moment on screen where they are uh, taking note of John Garrett, American hero, love the nod to uh, to the late, great Bill Paxton. I won't even speculate why the Bakshi report would be calling him a hero. Does that mean John Garrett was a bad guy, blah, blah, blah? Just, it's a, it's a great in-universe moment to, to give one more tip of the, ha- the hat to uh, to that great actor. Bigger news, Pete, though, Pete, on the report. Uh, the Patriot has been killed. Uh, this is a cause of ce- celebration, but don't forget, remain ever vigilant. Danger can lurk anywhere. Yes, and I love that we were able to bring Sunil Bakshi back, Simon Cassanides there. And uh, as these two Hydra suits are watching on their monitor, because that's what you do in the framework in, in 2017, uh, the... Uh, the rumble there takes place where we're suddenly when we're told that uh, trouble can be around any corner, we've got to remain vigilant. OK, we have uh, May and Daisy in that holding cell uh, joined by uh, another Hydra guard where she breaks out of the inhuman husk, the, the terrogenesis complete. Uh, ironically, Matt, uh, stemming from Sky Daisy's regret in the framework, the guy who shows up in the room, in addition to May, neither of them killed, unlike when uh, uh, she emerged the first time. But let's remember that the trip had also been covered up in the in the stuff and he got, you know. Uh, what's, what's the, what's the word here? He, he was killed by uh, projectile, terrogenetic I, projectile. Didn't he kind of shake apart though at the same time too? And, and crack I, I, either way it was bad and it, it resonates fully later in this episode. Indeed. Just as a side tangent, it does make me wonder why Ada would program in the possibility of terrogenesis, but Pete, we really can't complain too much. Ada wrote the framework. She was written by Radcliffe. Radcliffe was written by real world writers who are also writing this episode. So it's all good. All right. And stuff. Uh, Pete, as you mentioned, uh, Daisy is free of the cocoon. She looks better, but she is recovering. 
Well, it's funny that you say that, Matt, because before she went in, you know, she had blood coming out of her eyes. She had blood coming out of whoa, her eyes. Oh, Pete, Pete, Pete. The show can make references like that. We don't make references like that. We are a we are a a couthful, respectful operation here. We don't say those things. Of course we are. Uh, May notes that uh, she has improved. Later on, there's there's uh, check in about uh, the change that has taken place on top of her abilities. They are suddenly in a firefight. Uh, we ignore physics 101 when they pretty much duck a hail of bullets. So apparently we're working on uh, matrix rules when it comes to uh, bullet dodging before they're pinned down in the cubicle bullpen area there and really needing to get out of the way of ammunition before uh, May. Ming-Na Wen, full credit here. Don't know if this is where she hurt the left knee, but full on wire flip uh, in, in the cubicle area to take out a guy. Maybe uh, the the second or third best stunt ever done on this show. And indeed, Pete, as I believe I noted on Twitter, in that one moment, it was uh, more wire work than in all of uh, Iron Fist. But I digress. An awesome moment there uh, for May. And I had wondered, too, this is how she got hurt. Um, I know that the, the stunt person's code is if you get hurt. Uh, you want it to show up on screen. I don't know that the same is necessarily A, for an actor, or B, you know, maybe maybe this was a better take, heck, this maybe maybe this wasn't even her, uh, her injury. But, um, Pete, we have two bad chicks running the world here, at least running the show here. Um, irony of ironies, because uh, there's a third bad chickadee about to join them. Yes, opening the elevator there in the Triskelion and what is all too familiar an idea. We have Madam Hydra here. She points out that we have May the warrior. We have Mac the protector. Oh, but don't worry about Fitz because he's a romantic. And as Daisy asks what she is, she projects Madam Hydra out of that elevator, call back to Captain America uh, the Winter Soldier, and out onto the area immediately outside. Splat. Wonderful moment. We get the title card, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents of HYDRA. We then, Pete, get Ada herself, the real Ada, plugging out of the framework. She uh, tells Ivanov, the superior, that she's trying to lock down a few loose ends. So an interesting show of, uh, of uh, rather prideful take on things. Um, Ivanov says, however, she looks on edge. Uh, he gets ready to just simply shoot the sleeping May, but it turns out Pete in another great writerly move, his program limitations prevent that. Yeah. I noted too, the, the point about never having seen a machine on edge before, but she's recalibrating. And as he's unable, he's wavering to shoot May because of the programming. We dive back into the framework where uh, Bakshi continues to speak. Mac is watching at Shield HQ and he is tired of the propaganda. Pete, we get Trip suggesting that uh, he does have those pictures he took of that doomsday device. Uh, Word says, don't call it that, that which uh, is a clear little tip of the hat to us. Hey, Pete, it's a doomsday device. They're going to use it. It's yeah. counting down. Check it's just offs, a matter of time. 
trips doomsday device here, even in the framework. Uh, Anton Chekhov is still with us, Matt. <laughs> Indeed, he is. Uh, we also get, and this is a scene that there's a long take. There's some camera movements from by the TV over to Colson. Colson notes, we need a leader to keep this movement going. With the Patriot gone, things are going to stall. Gee whiz, Pete, if only we had somebody who had experiencing running shield uh, when the uh, its iconic leader is no longer around. Yes, and Bakshi continues on the TV there. They unmute him. We've got breaking news, Matt. That we do. Uh, there has been an attack on our beloved leader, Biden and Human. But good news, Madam Hydra is okay. Uh, who has done the attacking? The S.H.I.E.L.D. team wonders if it's Daisy. With that, Pete, cut to May and Daisy. See what they did there? They threw the story ball from the one to the other. And uh, they're on the run. Uh, May reveals that the Patriot is dead. Really nice earned moment where Daisy has to process that Mace is dead. He's dead here. He's dead in the real world. And, yeah. and she has lost him kind of by proxy. Yes. And the story catch up from the Terragenesis that uh, it's, she calls it a, a hangover made of bees. We will uh, uh, address later on, Matt, what it means. You brought it up that uh, Madam Hydra, uh, that Ada, specifically has programmed in Terragenesis to the framework, but that they've checked in on this twice, important as far as the story is concerned. We, uh, we also have some ponderance from May. How did you master your power so quickly? And uh, Daisy then goes on to explain, well, pause. She's not going to get into that right now. Pete, <laughs> It is good to keep the speed of the narrative moving and to explain this would do May nothing and would do the audience a disservice. So instead, Pete, we cut to Madame Hydra's suite where she's in a coma, apparently. Uh, the doctor reports to Fitz that she has breaks to her spine. And uh, I had myself wondering, Pete, is she quote-unquote comatose because Ada has unplugged from the, from the uh, framework you know, or is Madame Hydra a, a framework doppelganger? I would like to think that perhaps it's a little bit of both. And we'll talk about that again in our level seven segment here. But um, T5 and T4 have been shattered in her spine. Those vertebrae uh, Fitz tells the doctor to leave. Of course, he leaves uh, dad around uh, who reminds him kind of the uh, the watchdog program here for Ada and Madam Hydra that Fitz will get the traitors. Uh, what are you going to do about it, son? He, uh, he asks him and Fitz says he's got to send a message to the people. Um, that's my son. Uh, tells him he has an obligation to the people and closes that first act by reminding uh, evil fits Matt that he's the new head of Hydra now. Pete, we get the act break. We return with Fitz indeed ready for revenge. He's gone to visit the factor or whatever Bakshi's show is called, uh, looking for a way to help with the news bounce. Bakshi is. How can he help with the cover up? No, no. Fitz wants to help spread fear, Pete. 
Yeah, a overture from Bakshi to drum up sympathy for the cause with an appearance, and Fitz shoots him down. Bakshi's real accommodating. Oh, we'll we'll use archival footage to placate the people. No, he doesn't want to placate them. He wants them afraid. We cut to a jump in time, which is to say we have Bakshi reporting on uh, two suspicious characters, a woman going by the alias Sky, which I thought was interesting, Pete, that the interior narrative of the framework continues to not give Sky slash Daisy an original name. Um, I don't know if they're just playing with the fact that they never, you know, that that was a mystery to us or would I don't, I don't, I don't quite know what the, what the origin of that is, but we, uh, you know, if it's, if it's story driven, I suppose we'll see in time. Also Melinda May, uh, we are told they're both dangerous ward back at shield HQ is irate. He's ready to just flip out. He's ready to put a bullet into, whoa, whoa, says Mac, not in front of my daughter. Yeah. And, uh, important, I think too, that Bakshi, uh, says that Sky is part of the Inhumans first movement. So uh, we've we've dealt with language of subversives. We've had reference of Inhumans, but now this Inhumans first idea is a new one. Um, with with uh, Mac and the daughter and Ward, uh, you know, having thrown the remote there, doesn't want that to happen. Um, Hope and Mac are left alone here, and Hope, having overheard this. Uh, she wants to know, are, are they really going to kill Sky, that lady that they showed on there? Um, you know, she, she had helped them before. With that, we cut to Coulson in what I'm calling the alt boss room. You can tell, Pete, it's the, it's, it's the alternative version of the, uh, the director's headquarters, the director's uh, office there. Because the desk is on the other side of the room. <laughs> totally different. It's like Spock in a goatee. Uh, he's leafing through some files. Pete, one looks a little familiar. Maybe a, an alien uh, relic might uh, might change people if they touch them. Might have some connection to Terragenesis. Season one, season two, somewhere in there. Um, but Ward comes in. He's ready to fly off the handle. He doesn't want to listen to Coulson as a boss. Uh, Coulson then relates a tale where he had a shot at S.H.I.E.L.D. once and said no. This is uh, Framework Coulson speaking, of course. But now he's saying yes. And Pete, we get Ward's in uh, narrative, in Framework backstory in a moment, but you picked up on a really fantastic little detail in this scene. Yeah, once the, the discussion comes full force after uh, Ward has referenced uh, that Hand, Victoria Hand, had brought him in from uh, his... Uh, time, uh, you know, in jail as an arsonist that he got himself together. I was kind of disappointed we didn't get the the John Garrett, you know, redemptive idea in the framework. Not quite sure where they were in terms of uh, production when when Bill Paxton passed away. We did have the the note on the crawl a little earlier in this episode on the on the Bakshi report though, referencing him, um, but. After that, when he goes to the door, Coulson put his hand on Ward's chest um, and then told him not to die out there. And that is a direct callback to obviously Coulson taking his life in uh, the first block of season three. Really, really nice 
acting moment. I don't know who who dreamed it up, whether it was an actor decision, a, a writer decision, director, etc. Um, Pete, on the topic of John Garrett, I for one am I'm glad that the show showed maximum restraint to 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 show a redemptive arc to off screen characters like Billy Koenig or whatever. Not that he needed redemption, you know, to, to have these little call outs here, Victoria Hand, so on and so forth. Those are nice. I think to just to have him on screen one more time for the briefest of sec, uh, seconds and to leave it at that, I think is the best use of this actor who has passed away uh, versus like, oh, look, let's get a little extra. Let's get a little extra happiness from this guy on account that, you know, he's passed away. So I personally was OK with it. Not OK with things are May and Sky, who are still on the run. Uh, they get noticed by a bystander who then quickly turns and runs around. Hey, Pete, maybe they're just racist. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, what's a little Grand Theft Auto to add to their rap sheet at this point? Uh, that is certainly true. They decide to hotwire the car. It turns out the, the bystander was not off-put by these two, uh, these two lovely ladies and how they look, but rather noticing the uh, electronic billboard, which shows that they are wanted. Uh, if you spot them, simply call Hydra. Uh, with that, we cut to Trip and Simmons. Uh, she's looking through the uh, the pictures that Trip has taken. Finally, we're going to get some story uh, motion here on the uh, so-called doomsday device, the the looking glass. And Pete, it's a dark energy device. Yeah, and it seems like it's been forever where we've referenced the dark hold and we have to remember that is still in play in the real world somehow powering connected to the framework um so obviously that is a conflict and a storyline that's going to need to be resolved near term by the end of this season but also the the background between simmons and trip Simmons points out, you know, oh, your your grandfather, the Howling Commando. I always wanted to ask you about that, and and Trip has not been, uh, you know, explained the framework versus the real world at this point. So he he, you know, brings the the always. What what are you talking about there? Before we're back with Daisy and May. By the way, Pete, while we're talking talking about the dark hold and dark energy, just want to share an observation now. I know I've I know I've turned to the dark side a little bit and been using the hashtag spoiler mat. This isn't a spoiler, but I just want to observe that in last night's rap party uh, that Agents of Shield did, which I, I give credit to all the actors and all the social media posts. They've included the hashtag ad ad because it was sponsored by a car company that we won't mention because they haven't given us hashtag <laughs> ad money. Um, couldn't help but notice that Gabriel Luna was there, and I'm sure he's a stand-up guy. And it's great that the that the cast uh, apparently gets along in real life. You know, last weekend uh, some of the actors uh, threw a surprise birthday party for B.J. Britt yep. at uh, anonymous Australian-themed restaurant. <laughs> um, so that's okay. all great. I got a theory for you, Pete. Gabriel Luna at the rap party, dark energy device in mm-hmm. last night's mm-hmm. episode. Maybe hashtag it's all connected. Mm. Uh, party at an Australian restaurant. Uh, Australian character still bumming around uh, the real world. Who's an inhuman? Mm. <laughs> it's really all connected, Pete. Um, regardless, though, uh, 
uh, Simmons uh, calling for them to get a Quinjet to go look into uh, the fact that uh, the fact that this dark energy device might be built in the Baltic. She suspects, at least through inference, she suspects it's Ivanov the Superior. Um, let's go do it. After all, no one can tell us no. Pete, that's like the crazy world of podcasting. You just do it. Let's just go. Do it live. Uh, May and Daisy here with a resistance guy. Suddenly there is an SUV speeding towards them shooting. He gets plugged in the knee, Matt, as our second act ends. He does and ends in rather explosive fashion. Uh, they, the, the Hydra people, they fire Pete. What I, from my youth, from Terminator 2, what I call a badink donk gun, because when you open it up, at least in Terminator 2, it goes badink donk. That's um, not to be confused with the badunka dunk gun. That is a far larger gun and has a way different effect. Anyhow, the projectiles fired at them and, uh, and Daisy Force blasted back into the SUV. However, Pete, she knows that this is an expensive episode. So she quick runs inside and closes the door, saving Mark Kolpak a couple of Benjamins from showing the SUV exploding and saving it for things like uh, shots of the Triskelion. Act three and Burroughs is revealed to be the one running through uh, Shield HQ. He's looking for Ward. Colson and Mac explain that Simmons and Triplet and Ward have all headed in their separate directions there. Uh, but he's just heard back from one of their field agents, Matt, who has made contact. He did, but there was, there was trouble or something. There was a tip-off, then gunfire. Oh, man. If only the Patriot was here, then right? somebody could tell us what to do. Someone to just step up. With that, Pete, Colson steps up and coolly says, let's go check it out. Mac is ready to drive. He says goodbye to Hope. He'll be back in a few hours. Pete, tear. I hope he will be. Yeah, and I have in my notes, Mac pawns Hope off on uh, Unnamed Lady. <laughs> <laughs> unnamed Lady who nonetheless gets a lion. Welcome to the Actors Guild. Um, back to May and Sky. Side note, it's funny how in my notes she goes back and forth. Sky, Daisy, Sky, Daisy. I feel like yeah. the visage of Daisy in the framework, even though we've only seen her as Daisy, who has been playing Sky, to me, Pete, she's just Sky. Anyhow, um, May explains SOP. Let me break it down for you, Pete. That means standard operating procedure. You are to, Hydra, you would know. Well, you know, it's a lot of training films to sit through. Thank goodness they have that like rigid tape to help me keep my eyes open. Um, SOP is to sweep with six teams, Pete. Um, if uh, the hostile. Well, is it overkill, Pete, or is it just the right amount? There's no um, efficiency to that. <laughs> good news, Pete. When there's no when there's no competition, you don't need to be efficient at all. Uh, if the hostiles are uh, bunkered down, you do air strikes and uh, air strikes and sort it all out later. Sky asks, "Like was done with the Patriot?" No, no, says May. Like I did to the Patriot. Whew. Yeah, she had called it in. Um, Sky exonerates her here. You didn't know uh, that uh, it's it's not her fault, and um, you know what was done to the Patriot is not so much on her. With that, we cut to Fitz at Ada's bedside. Uh, he's kissing her hand. 
Dad comes in. Bakshi's expose worked. Tips are pouring in. There might even be one worth following up. Pete, I wonder if it's the tip, you know, about May and Sky that we just saw about. Uh, Fitz is ready to act further. Uh, Ophelia, the 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 given name of uh, Madame Hydra in the framework, she wakes up, tells him to finish it. I will, I will. I'll get them. No, no. Finish Project Looking Glass. Then this body won't matter. Ooh, Pete, that's new news. Yeah. He's ready to do just that and leaves the attack uh, for dear old dad to take care of. Yeah, that he would take care of things, dad says, for good. Uh, meanwhile, Matt May roughs up two more guys, brings them down uh, before one gets the drop on her and Sky. But uh, Mac turns the gun on him before turning the gun on May. Yeah, first of all, great introduction of May in this particular part of the story. She's hanging up above in this uh, in this warehouse. Pete, framework or real world, the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are always near warehouses. Um, Plenty of welding always happening. Absolutely. Lots of cardboard boxes to fill the mid-ground so you know the difference between the close-ups and the far-off shots. Um, this scene here, driven by that dramatic tension of Mac wanting revenge, revenge against May, um, to me there was just something slightly off about it. I, I understand his motivation, but... And I understand he's fairly new to S.H.I.E.L.D., but, like, you're telling me that you can't see the world of gray here, that May did this bad, bad thing to you recently, but now she's flipped and you're with the Resistance, so who's the Resistance going to be with if not kind of questionable people? I think uh, it yields great character work here, Matt, because uh, you have Sky coming to her defense um, despite Mac explaining that I'm here to help you, Sky, not the woman who held my daughter hostage and uh colson comes in explaining that uh you know she's okay that um you know sky says that uh hydra had messed with may's head um and colson saying that uh for reasons he does not understand he trusts this woman calling back of course to their deepened relationship or at least what colson now believes to be the deepened relationship because the LMDs and everything else there in the real world. <laughs> you remind me, Pete, when's the last time we saw the real May? It's been quite some time. Yeah. Because there yeah. was there was secret <laughs> robot May. Uh, with that, we cut to the Quinjet. Uh, they're heading up on a whole bunch of drilling uh, platforms. Luckily, uh, there's uh, LIDAR or radar or scandar or something like that that the Quinjet has. Um, one goes deeper, Pete, much deeper. The effects go uh, deep indeed, going underwater. And this gets intercut, although it's not clear that it's intercut, in part because the pace of the show now moves a little bit faster than what the audience is savvy to. That's intentional and it's fantastic intercut of Simmons and Trip going into the structure, that intercutting with the superior walking in the structure. The colors don't match though, but wait, yup, as Gemma figures out, the plans are in the real world. Ada wants to become a real girl and uh, and they're kind of uh, in this uh, framework version of the place. Yeah, big ups to Cole Pack and his team again here. Uh, Full on Bond villain base beneath the sea 
times two, Matt, framework and real world. And we're dealing with the Pinocchio uh, metaphor that uh, Ada wants to become real. There's connection, of course, to um, Ivanov being able to do that, telling um, telling Ada that uh, once this happens, he'll make Coulson bleed. We have uh, Simmons and Triplet, Matt, again, exchanging dialogue here. Um, but wait a minute, Matt, does, does Trip believe her about the real world? Come on, girl. Stuff's too crazy to be made up. Uh, but it seems that whatever project that's being worked on was finished about a week ago. Cut to Fitz, Matt, working with those holographic blueprints to end our third act. Pete, the joy of seeing BJ Britt on screen uh, is is so wonderful, and uh, hopefully our audience takes as good news that he has a uh, he has a pilot lined up at Fox and military action drama type thing. So uh, I wouldn't be betting on a lot more trip next season unless that pilot crashes and burns, and it's it's never it's never good sport to uh, root against a new show just because it has an actor you like, but. Uh, Certainly the fact that he continues to work since being killed off of S.H.I.E.L.D. the first time is uh, is good news indeed. Anywho, Pete, bad news for Fitz after this act break. He is irate that uh, that the the his baddies, you know, Sky and, uh, and May, have escaped. He wants them dead. He yells at Dad. Uh, Dad snaps back. Don't be hysterical. I would have left you with your ma if I wanted that boy-o. Oh. Wonderful acting moment as Ian DeCacaster physically recoils, snapping back to the way he should be for Dad. Uh, Dad leaves, but not before Fitz regroups himself, focuses the darkness in his heart, and says that as the head of Hydra, he can't tolerate failure from anyone, including you, Dad, because I hate you, Dad. Yeah, his father tells him there that he's going to turn over every stone, exploit every weakness. Back with Daisy and May, they've returned to the base, Matt. Ward is there. Uh, Coulson is as, as well. They're ready to look over the body camera footage. That gets rid of Coulson and May, which leaves Ward and Sky for uh, a pretty poignant scene. First, Ward name checks Trip which resonates heavily with Sky, uh, says it's the best news she's heard in weeks. Um, and then explains that uh, um, Simmons told him everything about the other world and uh, how they're all endeavoring to get back there. Um, that uh, Ward, however, Matt, is holding out hope that Simmons is wrong and Sky will still be the girl he knew. Um, but hey, you know, glad you're safe. And in a in a really nice let the scene breathe moment, turns down one of those long hallways and walks off. We move on to Fitz's father going to see Radcliffe. Uh, Radcliffe is asked if he knows where the, uh, the bad guys have gone to. Radcliffe, of course, does not. He says that uh, he's from the other world and he knows it. 
uh, and indeed Radcliffe schools Papa Fitz on the the notion of the other world because it's not the other world it's the real world the real world where Papa Fitz is an angry drunk who can't see his son's brilliance so go ahead you can't do anything to me that uh, that, that hasn't happened before and Papa Fitz does just that Pete yeah Radcliffe and Dadcliffe, as I refer to this scene here, Matt, we've got the actual father, albeit we've only ever met the framework version cobbled together, no doubt, from uh, Ada's ability to access Fitz's mind. And then we've got Radcliffe, the the surrogate father, now in in the framework here for good, um, as we've been told that his body is dead outside in the real world. Uh, but uh, Dadcliffe says that these others, they're, they're tainted, Matt, um, that they're, they're no good. And he punches uh, Radcliffe once before telling him he knows nothing about him or his son and proceeds to throttle Radcliffe. He does, and as this beating unfolds, let's just pause here, Pete. It's been about 22 or so episodes since we met Radcliffe, probably a bit more than that, but it was certainly towards the end of the uh, towards the end of uh, the last season. He's gone from charming rogue to villain to now a sympathetic pawn, and there's just it, it's an astonishing arc that this guy yeah. has been on that we feel so sympathetic for him. Let alone the whole ongoing ward discussion. Where, where we now feel bad for a ward, if not the ward. And um, with that, Pete, we cut to S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ, where, uh, where the gang are all assembled watching May's body cam footage. You know, the body cam footage that they mentioned enough times to just keep it in your head, not make you suspect it was going to become a story point. Well done. Um, that's the body cam footage of the, uh, the building being shot, you know, from the previously on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, None of this matters, though. Uh, it, it is said they need to simply get to the exit that Daisy knows about and no one else knows about. Another nice little story reminder there. It's like a glowy <laughs> door. Um, they could do that. They do have part of the team assembled, Pete. Yes, but this body camera footage, it, it isn't enough, Matt. It's, it's just a start. And uh, – Though they may get to this exit, they have to get there. There's no magic bullet to cure their situation. And it's Ward who explains to them that the people need to wake up. Um, And Coulson says that uh, maybe they don't just need to save themselves. They need to save the world. Before Matt, in in maybe the most uh, referential moment of the night we have Bakshi in makeup with two lovely makeup ladies um that he's explaining here that uh he he'd be able to help the one who uh wouldn't want to impose Matt but uh needs some new furniture Mm. timing indeed and a reminder a gentleman is always a gentleman and a gentle lady is always a gentle lady. And it seems to me that uh, the host of this cable news program is not a gentleman. Also Bakshi. But Pete, everything on the Factor set is about to explode because it explodes. Our heroes break in to end the act. 
Yes. Uh, they, they looking for some enemies of the state, perhaps great line. Uh, and as we pick up with act five here, Matt, uh, Ward just wants Bakshi to stay quiet and to comply. But he won't talk, Pete. He's the most trusted name in journalism. Oh my, they just <laughs> went there. Uh, cut to Fitz finally completing the project, or at least kind of the virtual version of it. He goes to Ophelia and says, the project is completed. She's going to get a real body, Pete, and be a real girl. But can she take him with her? She was hoping he'd ask. You see here this this not just kind of moving of story elements, but also the, uh, oh, I don't know, this uh, oppressive tug that Madame Hydra has on our dear Fitz. Yes. Back to Coulson and May here. Uh, Coulson is uh, dressed a little different. We're not quite sure what to make of it just yet. Uh, Ward points out that uh, there's no sign of Hydra being aware just yet. Uh, and it's sky on the controls there. It's just going to take a flip of the switch and hope for the best. But uh, no, no ward. Uh, I, I, I know you're not going uh, with us when uh, when we leave. Hate to think that uh, I'm like that Grant Ward over in the other place. So, Matt, we have come full circle with good ward. The the redemption and the sympathy uh sky even pointing out um that uh she didn't really understand real ward until she met framework ward pete i'm glad that the show is taking a moment to talk here about framework ward because let's just call it what it is pete we were pretty rough on some of the agents of shield fans who found no boundary for for uh, requiring the real ward to accept any sort of not just responsibility but a sense of human decency uh there was fangirling and fanboying that was just kind of beyond what the show had offered us in terms of him being a bad guy let's not lose sight though that framework ward did none of those things he is a character in the framework who is as pure, ironically, as the character of Ward was before we had him turn bad. Now, yes, the character then thus retconned was always bad and always part of Hydra and whatnot, but that guy that we knew in the beginning, who we didn't know was bad, we have here, and he has no badness in him. Certainly not the badness of having killed family members and secretly Hydra and all that. I have to wonder, Matt, if the election goes a different way in the fall... Um, what uh, Brett Dalton is doing in an alternate reality because I'm fairly certain he's not back on this show with an opportunity to redeem the character of Grant Ward. So it's just fascinating how uh, real life has influenced art and so on and so forth. But uh, with everything that these two characters uh, who we both care about and have had uh, feelings for one another in both locations um, have have going on. Uh, Sky's just not sure what's going to happen when she leaves. Will Will Ward get his Sky back? Will Will he get that redemption? We've teased the possibility, of course, that that Ward gets into the real world, gets into now, Matt, 
a, a real skin LMD that, that that's happening there, you know, because it's just for Madam Hydra and for the superior, right? They're just making it just for them, not for any other characters whose consciousnesses might come over into the real world. Well, this notion, this plaintive notion of Ward saying, what happens to me when this simulation ends for the rest of you? Pete, I couldn't help but be reminded of the, uh, the season one Star Trek The Next Generation episode, The Big Goodbye, in which a holodeck character asks just that. Um, as, as our heroes are leaving, what happens when those holodeck doors close? And um, if nothing else, Pete, that question of words, what will happen to me, mixed with what you're saying of, boy, a flesh and blood artificial character, you know, framework uh, persona coming out and and, and gaining uh, a different place in the real world. Yeah, those two things, you combine them together. That's why there's hope for hashtag good ward. There was some good in him all along, Matt. But back with... Uh... Dadcliffe and Fitz uh, discussion of uh, and and looking at pictures, something in the air vent there. Um, and uh, it seems as uh, they report the man is prepared to die. Dadcliffe tells him, but Fitz says, well, maybe we just need to give him a reason to live. Yes, the something in the air vent was uh, the whispers between uh, Radcliffe and Sky, as he revealed the secret way out, which is only known to her because dramatic purposes. Um, but indeed, Pete, the scene ending, he'd rather die, let's give him a reason to live. Really nice little uh, here's a this, then a that kind of thing. Uh, the story moves to the Bakshi studio, Colson and company there. Let's get this message out. Uh, let's, uh, you know, let's offer good luck to everyone. That Pete, they cut to the switch being thrown, rather evocative of a similar control panel switch uh, used to fire the Death Star, of course, <laughs> probably because it's a control panel switch that was just, you know, laying around. Then, Pete, we get Colson. Good evening. What you were told was a lie. Pete, take us through this speech. Yeah, Colson as the anchor here explaining that, as you know, the Hydra facility uh was was destroyed yesterday the patriot was killed however that's all fake news um here is body camera footage matt that was given to them by a high level member of hydra and it exonerates the shield people you've all been fed alternative facts matt he said the, he said the thing we've we've been saying since january since Kelly and Conway said it. Um, and uh, it's at this point we have uh, uh, some, not quite a, a montage. There's, there's dialogue uh, in addition to Coulson, but uh, we have uh, a, a younger character who goes unnamed explaining there's, there's agents outside to, to help here. Coulson points out that there are more of us, more of the non-Hydra than there are of them, and that he's not just a history teacher, Matt. His name is Phil Coulson, and as he takes out his badge there, he reveals he is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, one of the great moments of the series. 
a couple lines leading up to that. The truth is undeniable. Alternative facts are a way to control people. Now that we know the truth, we all have the opportunity to be patriots. Will you hold them accountable? Pete, the show going for what they have been going for in this entire arc, which is uh, holding up a, uh, a mirror to... Pete, I was going to say their version of events, but Pete, the truth is undeniable, and alternative <laughs> facts are a way to control. It's going to be so interesting to look back months, years from now at this TV show in this particular time uh, as kind of like a time capsule for these things, and and will these uh, references still resonate um, but as we get to the tag, Matt, kind of uh, Spartan in what it gives us, we've got uh, the superior Ivanov there again with the doomsday device. He's drinking the vodka, chilled out of the vial, sniffing the onion. Ah, it is, it is not the same. I give the show a ton of credit for trusting that the audience would catch that callback. Not that it wasn't memorable the first time, and he's a great character, and he's a handsome fellow, what with his muscles all spilling out and such. But it was a small detail, like in November, I think. I mean, it's starting to blur together a little bit. Maybe it was, it was, maybe we were well clear of Ghost Rider. That was in the second pod that was uh in the lmd pod all right so like so closer than closer than i than i had remembered but still forever ago in terms of story twists and turns and to just have that as not just a callback that we'd remember but in that moment pete how do you argue with him he is trapped in this mechanical body where the pleasures of life as as symbolized for him as vodka and smelling the onion those pleasures are not accessible the the very things that he enjoys about being human um he can't get to really really great moment and um uh regardless though uh ada enters there are some uh or she says that the final specs are here and uh once it's all done he asks will the restrictions be lifted uh, yes, Ada says kind of a little mysteriously, so I don't <laughs> completely trust it. Pete Ivanoff, though, gives us some info to end the episode. Yeah, he's eager to put a knife through Coulson's throat and that they have located uh, the two agents in the framework. Yeah, the episode ending with a slightly strange shot is after the revelation that they're on Zephyr 1, but it at least the way I heard it, Pete, it wasn't quite clear if they had, if they knew where Zephyr One was. But bottom line, kind of a strange shot. It it comes up from devices to show Ada quickly fading out. I don't know if maybe that wasn't their intended conclusion, but still, Ada mystery to end the episode. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys, Pete, and the baddest gal. Of them all, it's Ophelia herself, Madam Hydra, looking worse for wear, or is she? I give them a ton of credit for committing to uh, tossing the Madam Hydra character out of the window. Um, not just for the the great effect; it could have been okay. You you killed this, boom, she comes back, she's a little better. But you've got to sell it for the characters 
who witnessed this and know about this. Not a not a glitch in the matrix type of thing where it's deja vu. The the cat comes around the corner twice and you know she's she's whole and she's good again. But to have her in the bedside and have uh Fitz have to up his evil game to continue to please her. That was a really interesting narrative choice. And you, I could argue that it pays off better than how she remained uh, whole and viable. Oh, I completely agree with that. It makes me wonder if, if the framework narrative was always going to lead to her being mortally wounded and needing fits to redeem her. You, you do get a sense that Project Looking Glass requires Fitz's touch to complete it. It, re- it requires his human intelligence, his human perspective. And um, if all of this is an attempt for her to get out uh, and, and to be fully human, um, she was going to need to manipulate Fitz one way or the other to get this thing built, uh, whether it's in response to her own injury or response to the inhuman threat or to the threat from the people from the other world. But Pete... In the other world, we have Anton Ivanov, the superior, who, uh, in one of his scenes, holds what is probably in real life a dull knife, but held that knife into into Coulson's neck pretty pretty uh, authentically. Zach McGowan has taken everything they have written for him and just upped it to another level with each appearance on screen, and now playing. Uh, a character whose consciousness has been put into an LMD and uh, wants to murder these others. He's he's still bent on taking Coulson out, having linked him to everything uh, that, that's been strange in the world for uh, several years here. So just absolutely floored by the performance in, in tiny dribs and drabs too that we're getting out of McGowan as Ivanov. Yeah. Like with a lot of these recurring characters, it's like, I have a little difficulty remembering, remembering the show before he was on it. And then you do a quick search and say, Oh wait, he's been on four or five episodes, but the character just has this, has this tale to it where you kind of go back and, you know, it helps having the, the breaks in between the pods and all of that. But you realize we haven't seen much of the superior, but it's Zach McGowan who, who brings life to him. Similarly, Pete, we have the character of uh, Fitz's father, who uh, I think we would be happy to see the character uh, have life flow out of him. Yeah, and his biggest episode to date where he's functioning as Ada, as Madame Hydra's proxy. He's he's goading Fitz and knows all the right buttons to push, beats the snot out of uh, Radcliffe there and uh, really a force to be reckoned with, not just physically, but uh, mentally. That said, Pete, as we see our familiar characters starting to resume some of their familiar behaviors as, uh, as events unfold in the framework, that flare of independence from Fitz makes one imagine that uh, the real world Fitz must have had a similar maybe not similar, must have had a confrontation with his father. No, da, I'm going to the United States to join S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, kind of moment where he stood up to his father, and we see that here. And Pete, my hope is that we end up with some sort of glorious end for Framework Papa Fitz, and then before the season is over, 
Fitz just kind of calling his father. And then we get to see drunk, pathetic, awful, empty, real world Papa Fitz. But that's a story for another day, Pete. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Pete, where's your first theory? Let's begin, Matt. Several references made to Sky going through Terragenesis here. Um, and you had asked um, why Madame Hydra, why Ada might have programmed that into the framework. Yeah, I think, I mean, first of all, I hate to peel back the curtain here and reveal the man behind it, but uh, it's all a function of the <laughs> the written needs of the script. And there's a reason. Are you saying, hate- Matt, that somewhere that's written on a whiteboard? <laughs> that there that there are uh, three by five index cards with that information on there plugged into a cork board in Burbank. Uh, well, there were. <laughs> Let's hope there continue to be. Um, so, I mean. At a certain point, you sit and go, well, why would Ada allow for gravity to be a constant when she could simply make herself fly and never get hurt? Things like that where you go, well, because the story demands it. If Ada was this impenetrable uh, robot, you know, that... that oh, my that, God. Did you just make her MODOK? If she was MODOK, um, you know, then she would just, you know, bulldoze through everybody and there'd be no story. Um, here's my answer, though, Pete. I think that because the framework is built on the real world and was built to be a simulation of the real world, all those real world rules are in place and maybe even hardwired in to a point where she can't change the rules of the matrix, if you will. Um, She must simply abide by them. And we certainly see that by proxy with their inability to kill their, their human creators. I absolutely agree with you. And you take into the framework, um, who you are and it has to remain a constant in there hence hence the regrets so it's really been smartly written in in what is not an easily uh written mirror universe per se particularly with the amount of references that they're making to our universe matt my next theory we talked about madam hydra uh, being in the uh, coma there on on the bed, uh, in and out of consciousness, and uh, then that Ada is back in the real world, and are the two necessarily intertwined? Can she be in two places at once? I feel like there is some scant evidence shown in this episode that no, Madame Hydra is ada ada prime not a copy not a not a avatar made in approximation of grant ward or things of that sort um i don't know why ada couldn't simply make a copy of herself but maybe it's just out of a sense of individuality maybe she's seen the first season episode of star trek the next generation entitled data lore and knows what happens if you copy yourself if you are hashtag twinning one will be the bad twin and She doesn't want the bad twin to overtake her or even worse to reveal to her that she herself is the bad twin. Bottom line, to my, to my understanding of the episode as it, as it unfolded on the, on the one view and we'll Pete in a moment, we're going to talk about some of the uh, mistakes that can happen when you watch only, only one time. Uh, But I digress. It seemed to me like she 
was knocked out the window, took a timeout from the framework, unplugged, interacted with Ivanov, then went back in. And around the time she went back in is when Madame Hydra awoke. Um, I, that's my take on it, Pete. But Pete, here's a take that hopefully people don't think is an alternate take. We want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone who helps us out on patreon.com slash fantasticgeek, making all these many Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast episodes possible, keeping them up for people to find, people to re-listen to, and so forth. It never ceases to amaze me how kind, how generous, how supportive our listeners and fans of our family of podcasts are so keep being you thank you again we'll keep on doing what we do we want to thank everybody whether they are patrons or not we want to thank everybody who's headed over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek and voted in our uh, poll we're running a poll to kind of see where maybe listeners might want uh fantastic geek to head in the future uh, and that poll is going to be up for uh, for a while. I think through the end of April, I have it set for. Math is difficult sometimes, Pete. Nay, even into the beginning of May. So if all you do is check out our poll there, give a uh, give a vote, Pete. Right now, uh, people uh, people sharing some views on different places that the podcast could go. So uh, exciting stuff there. We hope to hear from more people. And just a reminder that everyone who contributes gets themselves exclusive podcast content. For instance, Matt, last couple weeks, uh, our patrons have gotten uh, dibs a couple days early each on uh, Iron Fist episodes uh, prior to the completion of that season. So membership has its privileges. Yeah, we have a good one uh, coming up, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, where uh, – some weird, some weird personal pop culture. Uh, the, the intersection of the two, for me personally, we're going to discuss. So, uh, a good story to be told for our patrons. Transmissions. Let's check the wire, Pete. And first up, eagle-eared. We had a tweet from at bike brh. Uh, who who very quickly after our podcast went up last week uh, when we were talking about boxy news. Uh, this was, of course, before I knew anything about boxy news. He said, hey, guys, I think it was boxy news, not boxy moves. news. It would certainly make more sense. Uh, Bike BRH goes on to say, I think Ada, apropos of our discussion right now, Pete, he goes on to say, or she goes on to say, I think Ada and Ophelia slash Madam Hydra have become separate entities. Ada seems to have lost control of Ophelia, Madam Hydra, if she actually ever had it. She seems surprised when Mace flatlined. I wonder if she even knows what's happening in the framework. So some food for thought there, Pete, including, uh, yeah, watch the one episode, take the notes while tweeting and interacting with everybody and having a great old time. No, no excuse. No excuse. We do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> uh, no, great, great catch on that. Uh, I was thrown off a little bit by uh, Clark Gregg's uh, pronunciation, but he, as Matt noted, goes with the, the authentic uh, Bakshi um, and without any kind of uh, context didn't quite uh, resonate with with either of us so slip that one past both of us and i think they had done a pretty good job of hiding that uh simon cassanides was uh back in the mix pete i know we also had gotten another tweet from someone and apologies i 
can't find the tweet amidst all the other tweets, but somebody had uh, given us a heads up that uh, Radcliffe in the prior episode describes everything as tasting not like dog food, but tofu. And uh, that is supported by the closed captions, which I feel like 99.999% of the time you can absolutely go with. I kind of prefer the line as everything tastes like dog food versus everything tastes like tofu, but either way, not good grub in the framework. Those darn accents again there and, <laughs> and uh, you know, getting in the way. Uh, Matt, we have a couple messages here left on uh, Facebook for Fantastic Geek, facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek. First, Nick Schenkel writes in here a uh, quick tangent uh, did you guys get to check out Milo Murphy's Law? There's an episode that features both Brett Dalton and Ming-Na as time-traveling agents. What? Yeah. Pete, I don't know. Wait, what's the name of the show? This this is... Milo Murphy's Law. Milo Murphy's Law. Sounds like something we need to check out. Apparently, it <laughs> is, according to the Wikipedia. It is a show on Disney XD animated. Uh, Pete... Uh, Pete, I think we're going to have to announce the cancellation of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek so we can get up to speed with the <laughs> adventures of... Pete, do you know who voices Milo Murphy? I don't. Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, there you go. That, that, that might be a need to check out based on that alone. Matt, also on Facebook, we have a uh, post from our old friend Robert T. Frost, and he writes in, the doctor that prov was providing Agent May with the Hyde-like performance-enhancing drug, isn't he the same doctor from Luke Cage? And then he caught himself a little while later, uh, correction, he was Gemma Simmons' boss when she was undercover at Hydra. So at the very least, being able to bring back somebody from uh, from season uh, two, still pretty cool that they were able to do that. Uh, just not the connection to the uh, the the New York uh, Defenders just yet. Well, Pete, from your Bob to my Bob, we got an email from Doctor Bob Keeley who, of course, we call Raboni, meaning teacher. He's a professor of education uh, at a, at a uh, theological seminary. It's all connected. Anyhow, Bob says, Hey, guys, I continue to be impressed and pleased with how the writers work some real-world references into the show. Last night, I heard two, both from Bakshi. I can help you shop for furniture and the most trusted voice. I'm a little surprised the writers are being so blatant about their references, but I'm enjoying them. Keep up the good work, Bob. I have to admit, Pete, um, I'm in the same boat here as Bob, enjoying them and whatnot, but I, too, am surprised that there's not somebody at ABC, politics aside, pure, just one of these pure business office network people saying, um, your ratings aren't that good as it is. Uh, what are you going to do, really? Uh, uh, upset the people in the red states who could be watching this show? Like... Kudos to everybody on up the food chain for not saying, all right, guys, you had your dig. You're doing your metaphorical, what if, you know, the bad guy won, wink, wink. We don't need to be this literal. Nobody's saying that. The vision of the writers and producers, the, the, the authorial vision is coming through. I'm shocked. Yeah, and how about how prescient they are given when they filmed this episode and what went down, Matt, this week with bill o'reilly 
certainly there had been, uh, shall we say, trouble in the air before that, yes. which is what happens when you continue to, uh, I don't want to underplay it and say misbehave, but, you know, poor, poor choices, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, you can't let people fool you again, uh, I think is the saying, right? Um, See, a fool, he can't be fooled again. <laughs> Point being, you know, it's not like this was out of the blue. What happened in in our real world, Pete? Or are we in the framework? I can never quite keep track. But um, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about timing? They just must have said, you know, timing of all timing. My goodness, Pete did just want to mention as we start to wrap things up here, we have a poll running on the Twitter where uh, people can predict, uh, maybe not even predict. That's the wrong word. They can they can pine for who they would like to come back. From the framework to the to the real world, we got your ward on there. We got Trip. We got Hope, Max' daughter, and we got Burroughs. Pete, as of last night, Burroughs had no votes. He's up to a hot two percent right now. Yeah, come on, let's let's get Burroughs. Uh, let's get Burroughs back, Matt. He he got done dirty flying out the uh, the Quinjet there. <laughs> Indeed, he did, Pete. We have, uh, of course, another option on Twitter, and that's that you can be in touch with the fans on Twitter. How can they be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,207 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you want. We are Fantastic Geek. That is fantastic with a PH, fantasticgeek.com, fantasticgeek.gmail.com, Fantastic Geek on Twitter and Instagram as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the PH. Like it today. We're here to stay. With that, Matt, we will be back for episode 420 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. next week. And I will leave you with your final words. Stand up. Be a part of something bigger. Together, we can accomplish anything. 